This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's The Mill with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Mill with Anthony Weiner. Thank you for meeting me in the middle. Sometime every Saturday at 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right. We try to bring some context to the news of the week or maybe we discuss a subject or two that don't make its way into the middle of the conversation. Enough. So great to have you along on this sunny fall day. We're getting closer and closer to it being a winter day for Saturday in December. This is our 90th episode. Thank you for joining us. I'll be taking you all the way to 4 o'clock, and then Curtis Lee will comes in for left versus right. You can listen to us, obviously, on the radio. You can listen to us on the app, wabcradio.com, and you can be part of the show at 800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC. You can email me at wienerwabc at gmail.com. We're not going to do any more social media tags, at least until someone convinces me otherwise. Beautiful day outside. Great day to be in New York. Happy birthday to Margot Katsimatidis, one of the people principally responsible for me being on the air and the station still being alive. You've heard the story before about, you know, the history of WABC in New York is a storied one. It goes back over 100 years. It was one of the first introductions I had to music. It was one of the first introductions I had. I mean, radio was a fixture for me. Listen to... 77, and on the FM dial, I would listen at the time to WNEW-FM. I would listen to PLJ when they had rock music, Um, which reminds me this is also the night that KISS performs in concert in New York as they're part of their end-of-the-road tour. I don't know what that's called, but that's kind of what it is. It's They'll be done, but I was sharing with Kevin Josh earlier, who is supervising our show today, Avis on the board, Christian's taking your calls. I was saying that KISS was the first concert I went to. I'm trying to recall the year. It must have been about 1979. I was born in 64, so it would have been about 15. Does that make sense? I guess so. To junior high school, I was – KISS was my first 
big obsession. And I looked online, middle seats at the garden, kind of down on the floor, not too like kind of in really primo seats, 1500 bucks. You can get into the building for 175, probably go down a little. I don't know, actually. I mean, it, um, not an insane amount of money for seeing, for seeing them. I have no idea what they sound like nowadays. It's been a long time since I, since I bought a Kiss record and obviously I've got a whole bunch at home. We're going to play a little Kiss during the, during the breaks here. I was happy to see that there's some in our library. Some good news as we continue to see better economic news, the standard and poor's. 500 hit a new high for the year on Friday. You know, Cudlow and Steve Moore, the great economists who come on before me, doing anything possible to try to spin it. Oh, no, no, it doesn't look so good, but it's inflation is down and the market's doing better, but it's, it's bad or something. I don't know. I'm not smart enough on this stuff, but I do know. By and large, presidents get blamed for stuff they probably didn't really contribute that much to and and take credit for stuff. But that it goes both ways. If you're going to blame Joe Biden for the bad stuff, then it just, it just stands to reason he's got to get some credit. So that's going better. Kind of a, a wild week. You know, some predictable things happen. I'm not going to spend much time on George Santos. You've heard what I've had to say before about it. I would not. I, I don't think he should have been expelled from Congress. I think that there's a legal process that is being followed and he's been indicted. There is a political process that has happened in 2022 where he was selected. And there's another one coming up in 2024. And I think that, you know, you let the, these legal processes proceed. And many of the, many of the things that the speeches I saw being given on the floor of Congress about Santos, you can substitute Trump, substitute the word Trump, raise money under false pretenses. Well, Donald Trump did, did that too. He took money that was intended to so-called, you know, stop the steal and took it for himself. Um, you know, has, is accused of lying and conspiring and everything else. I mean, I, I just look, first of all, I want to say this and you've probably sensed this from watching him. He doesn't seem well. I mean, he really, and I have been, for those of you, who, you don't have to go back about, about 10, go back to about uh, 12 years, whatever it was. I was one of these people who was in one of these maelstroms. I had a scandal of my own creation, posted something on Twitter that was very embarrassing, lied about it, and then came to the conclusion that I just, if I was going to get healthy myself or if I was going to protect my family, or I, was, I couldn't be effective anymore and I resigned. It was a little bit of a different situation. I hadn't done anything illegal and there wasn't any – I mean I wasn't going to go to prison and I wasn't going to – I mean I later did for different things. But So I have some rachmunas as we say in in Hebrew. I have some, some empathy for George Santos. He's not a well cat. And if you think about it, there wasn't a single vote while he was in Congress that came down to one person. So it also didn't matter that much. I feel bad for the people of the third. They won't have a congressman. We have 434 for a while, whatever it is. Big deal. There'll be a special election. Someone will get chosen to replace him and we'll move on and he'll be remembered as a little bit of a butt of of jokes. So that was somewhat predictable. Henry Kissinger died. I mean, not to be crass about it, but he was 100 years old. You probably saw some very mixed headlines, some very mixed commentary about Henry Kissinger, you know. You could – what's the charitable way to – he's a pragmatic 
Secretary of State, a powerful Secretary of State. But he's not without his critics. And if you look at his record, you know, in 1969, the the secret bombing of Cambodia killed 150,000 to 100 to, to 500,000 people. We weren't even at war with Cambodia. You know, helping the dictator ruling Pakistan wipe out 300,000 Bengalis with the support of our administration and kind of the tacit support of of Henry Kissinger. In Chile, we overturned the democratic election of Salvador Allende in 1970, helped plot a coup there. Um, in East Timor, you know, basically helped Indonesia invade East Timor, 200,000 people. So, like, you can say, all right, all of these are examples of things that he did that were very, at the moment, well, what's in the United States' best interest? We have a lot of businesses that do business in Chile. We don't want a socialist or a government taking over, so let's just get them out of there. Well, I think we've now learned a generation later that that kind of foreign policy um, doesn't stand up well in the long term. But on the other hand, as recently as last year, you know, his his efforts to open up a door to China, I think, have made the country made the country safer. Right? I mean, that we have we might not like China, their arrival, but despite what some people say, we're not at war with them. So that was somewhat predictable. One thing that was a little less predictable. I'm sure you you heard Bob Brown mention this in the in the news coming in. Elon Musk seems to be cracking up, and I know I I talk a lot about Twitter on the show. Other hosts do. It's because we in the media, Twitter has an outsized role. I know a lot of our listeners don't care what goes on on social media. He's a very interesting guy. He's a billionaire, maybe the richest guy in, in, in the country. And when he took over Twitter, and this is April, May of 2022 of last year, I there were a lot of pe- liberals who were saying, oh, my God, this is the worst thing in the world. And I was one of the people going on the air saying – I think Twitter is a mess anyway. It's messing up our national debate. We're all yelling at each other. But I don't have any problem with him taking over because what I said is it's not going to get too bad. Well, never mind. Here, Listen to a cut of a show I did, I want to say, in May of 2022. It's a little bit of me talking about what I thought would happen at Twitter. We have examples of websites, uh, of uh, social media platforms, rather, that don't have rules. They're crap. No one, No one wants that. The, the people that are on Twitter who are loyal to Twitter are, are, are not going to tolerate it becoming a cesspool of unmitigated junk. So I don't think that Musk, Musk is a smart guy. I don't think it's going to change that much. I don't know if, if he, look, here's, I actually am optimistic about his ownership. I don't know why, I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. He's a, he's a billionaire who's going to do things that are in his interest. And I think his interests are going to be having a successful thing. So that's me saying in May of last year that a lot of my liberal friends were wrong and that he's still going to want it because what does it mean to be successful? It meant that you don't have untenable things on your site because ultimately the way that Twitter makes money is not from subscribers, although they're now selling the blue check mark. It's ultimately advertisers want you to come there. If you're Facebook, if you're Google, if you're Twitter, and people are spending a lot of time on the site. Advertisers want to be there with you. But it increasingly has – there's been more and more anti-Semitism, more and more hate, more and more just junk there. And so 
increasingly advertisers are saying they don't want to associate with that. That's bad for their brand. Their return on investment isn't very good. And so it got even worse that that Trump's – Trump's – that was a Freudian slip. Musk's politics himself, he's very conservative, pro-Republican, anti-Democrat, et cetera. But I have problems with that. I disagree with him on it, whatnot. But he's also letting so much hate and anti-Semitism and everything else and racism go on on the site, which is bad enough. But then he starts kind of promoting it himself. You know, when he tweets or likes or shares something or comments on something or interacts with something, he has the dials turn so high up on Twitter that they come up even if you don't even follow him. He's everywhere. So not long ago, one of these random – it wasn't an important – Person. It was just a random anti-Semite with a random anti-Semitic post and and and, and, and Musk agrees with it, says the truth is here or something like that. And I'm not going to repeat what was said. And so what had already been happening, which is this $40 billion asset was down to about 15 or $16 billion in, because advertisers didn't want to be there anymore. And so this week – Elon Musk does a long interview with Aaron Ross Sorkin, I think is his name, and not Aaron Soros, something Ross Sorkin, and the New York Times, hour and a half, where he where he was allowed to basically talk as much as he wanted. He was asked about this and listen to what he had to say. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger. I hope today. they stop. You hope uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise. No. What do you mean? <laughs> If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f*** yourself. But go f*** yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. So that's the CEO of the company, the owner of the company. He's not the CEO. He's the owner of the company. Larger shareholder. There's other people who own it with him saying that he doesn't want advertisers, and so he's not getting advertisers. So I said in my comments when he took over, he's a smart guy. He's going to do smart things. Well, he's not doing smart things. <clears throat> so I said this was a week in kind of predictable things happening. M- Musk is, is increasingly – by the way, if you go and watch that, and it's about an hour and 30, he seems to be another guy like Santos who's unraveling right before our eyes. And there are some moments where he's asked some questions – like, you know, are you okay? Like, what goes on in your head? How are you, you know? And he kind of says in a kind of sad way, he says, I'm not doing great. I'm not doing great. Um, but, you know, the thing that's been surprising about this is that there have been some on the right, and even some on our air- airwaves here, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, even on some on our airwaves here, who have kind of blamed the Anti-Defamation League and blamed the liberal media and blame corporations for not advertising. It's a basic concept here, right? If you don't want to be associated with a negative thing, you want to be associated with a positive thing. And people make decisions based on this. I know a lot of people were very upset with how many companies rallied to the side of the BLM movement in 2020. Like people were outraged that Nike was running TV commercials about and putting We Support BLM on their websites and things like that. People, you know, corporations can make decisions and what's in their best interest. They might get it right or they're wrong, but there's no, you don't have, it's not a freedom of speech issue. 
you have a right not to advertise someplace. I mean, it's just so it's very surprising to hear these free market conservatives say, oh, it's outrageous that Warner Brothers doesn't want to advertise anymore. He is doing everything to make the company less desirable for advertisers. And so that's why they're not going. That's the market. And it's like the episode I did two weeks ago or last week about democratic capitalism, Republican capitalism, but it's capitalism. We we both kind of both sides agree in that. Um, but apparently sometimes we disagree on how it's it's approached. And after the break, we're going to talk about another conversation that is akin to that between Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom. I did a podcast this week on the Middle Unplugged. It's a podcast I do that that falls on Wednesday, which is we take an issue or two and we kind of do a little bit about what we do here, kind of unpack it a little bit. And I made kind of a viewer's guide for what to expect at that debate. And I said that I was eager to see it and I was not disappointed. I think it was really worthwhile. We're going to hear a couple of cuts of that when we get back from the break. And a little later, maybe at the top of the hour, we're going to do the legal update of the week, a bad week for Donald Trump and a mixed week for Hunter Biden. But there's news on both fronts and we're going to get to it. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. So great to have you along on this brisk day. And we'll see you on the other side of the break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. So welcome back to the middle. That is Kiss playing tonight. 
I think it's their last concert or their last tour. It was my first concert back in 1979. That's the dulcet tones of Paul Stanley, Gene, Gene Simmons, Ace Freely on guitar. I think he's passed away. And Peter Chris, the drummer, dressed up in their makeup and everything else. I was into it. Doesn't sound so great right now. Basically three chords they play over and over again. So we're catching up a little bit on the week that was. And one thing that we didn't get a chance to touch on in the open, 800-848-9222. Christian is taking the cross today and Ava's helping us out on the board. Is uh, this debate that took place on Fox News, it was Thursday, I believe. It was hosted by Sean Hannity. It was basically two, you know, two against one, which is totally fine. I mean, I just, but it was a good debate to, to watch. It is, as I say in, in the podcast from this week, it's mysterious why it was happening, right? I mean, I kind of get why Gavin Newsom wanted to kind of get into the fray a little bit. Everyone wants to be the number one surrogate and Gavin Newsom sure has ambitions in 2028. Why DeSantis took it, a little more complicated. I guess he figures he's floundering in Iowa. It it elevates him to be the lone person on the stage. And there was a little bit of like MMA about it, of, you know, the showdown and whatnot. I thought it was an excellent debate. Not that either one of them I, – I, look, why do I think it's – because the idea of having a good substantive one-on-one debate – that is more than about – it's more than just the same things. You know, who's going to say the craziest thing on immigration? Who's going to say the craziest thing on on whatever, on on, on sleepy Joe Biden? That it, it – there took a little – and also there is this question, you know, California is a successful state. Florida is a successful state by some measures. Yeah, you know, Gavin Newsom's fairly popular. DeSantis less so but only because he's been in this election cycle where he, people have been beating him up so much. And there were some interesting things. I mean, um, first, let's listen to a cut of Ron DeSantis. Uh, Ron DeSantis. I was talking to a fella who had made the move from California uh, to Florida, and he was telling me that Florida is much better governed, uh, safer, better budget, uh, lower taxes, all this stuff. And he's really happy with the quality of life. And then he paused and he said, you oh, know, by the way, I'm Gavin Newsom's father-in-law. That's great. That's clever. That's nice. I mean, much of the debate, I, I, I asked Kevin to, to pick up a cut. That was a good one. That was a good zinger. The thing that finally got a little bit of oxygen that I have been harping on, a, a little bit less so as Ron DeSantis has gotten less important in everyone's life, is Ron DeSantis' kind of his thing about woke this and woke that. In my general sense that, one, most Americans don't really know what that means, but two, I don't think it really animates a lot of people in terms of what they care about at their kitchen table. But Gavin Newsom, I thought in one of his best moments of the night, really focused on DeSantis in a kind of a asking like why it was that he was focused so much on this stuff and kind of calling him out for forgetting about the conservative values that maybe Ronald Reagan or others might have. This is Gavin Newsom. It's about a minute. You know, I remember in the 1970s, in the 1970s, we had a bill called the Briggs Initiative. And there was a guy by the name of Ronald Reagan 
so offended by the Briggs Initiative, which was the original Don't Say Gay bill. In that case, it was not allowing teachers that happened to be gay to teach. And Reagan had the courage to stand up, and he said, you can't catch gay like you can measles. I don't like the way you demean people. I don't like the way you demean the LGBTQ community. I don't like the way you demean and humiliate people you disagree with, Ron. I really find this fundamentally offensive, and this is a I'm core value that distinguishes the values of my state and, frankly, the vast majority of Americans against the weaponization of education. I mean, that's a good, that was good too. And that gave you, that's a little bit of a taste. You can spend the whole episode uh, doing it. I would encourage you to go to, to go watch it. It, it. I don't know who won. I mean, I, I think that kind of there's a consensus that that maybe a Newsom, he's a little smoother. He's a little bit more comfortable. You know, DeSantis has these quirks about him, the weird facial things that he has. And Ron DeSantis, in his defense, has been on a campaign trail for the last um, – I guess it's been over a year now. And as the guy who is kind of the front runner among the among the non-Trumps, he's been taking a lot of slings and arrows. And it turns out that he's just not a very good candidate. <clears throat> I heard Greg Kelly on the air this week kind of making the same assessment that if you read the, trans, the transcript, you might think that DeSantis said, well, if you watched it, probably less so. Um, you know, but there is this – there's, you know, there's a lot of reasons people move to Florida – there's a lot of reasons people stay in California. There's a lot of things to be. I mean, it is an oversimplification just to look at migration or whatever and say, hey, that's that's where people want to be. I mean, more more people are migrating right now to New York by a lot <laughs> in in ways that have Curtis Lewa losing his mind. Curtis is going to be in it at at, um, at four o'clock. And I mean, there is there is. There is this general sensibility around this idea that, OK, that there's. You know, everyone wants to be in the lowest tax state. No, that's not necessarily because people want – there are things that people want. For example, one of the reasons why New York's budget is so much higher and some of the taxes, a lot of the taxes are so much higher in New York is we have the best health care in the country. The migration of people from Florida coming to New York for health care is one way basically. You know, I, I would lose constituents in my Brooklyn and Queens district who would move down to Florida and then they'd come back when they reached their – 80s and the 70s and they start having health care needs because this is where great health care is. I mean we have uh, an expansive Medicaid program that so it has a, a higher life expectancy if you live here and, and things like that. So you know, people make decisions on how they're going to – You know, we invest more in education than they do in Florida. So it's not just a matter of, of who has the lowest taxes. There are other elements. I mean we're never going to be able to compete in – in the winter months for the weather in Florida or the weather in Southern California. Um, but people move for different reasons. Look, we we lost a lot of congressional seats from New York to places like Arizona, Texas, and Florida starting in the 1950s and 60s and 70s because of air conditioning. Just people started moving to places that were seen as inhospitable. as all year-round places to live. But although it's an excellent debate, I would encourage you to go um, to go look at it. Let's, let's go to some calls. Uh, at the top of the hour, I'm going to do the legal update of the week in terms of um, Donald Trump. He had some some setbacks, and and um, and uh, Hunter Biden was invited by the House of Representatives to come testify, and he said yes. And now they're having second thoughts. But let's go to some calls. Let's go to um, let's go to Will on Long Island. Yes, Mr. Weiner. I um, you know I got to be honest. I have uh, been listening to you for a little while. I find you 
somewhat centrist. It, it's, it makes me feel good, actually, to know there's some Democrats out there that are not total communists, and they don't all believe in AOC economics. But I will say, I don't thank Biden for the economy. I thank Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema for being sensible enough to know not to spend $3.5 trillion when you have 10% inflation. As a matter of fact, I don't thank Biden really for very much. I mean, you open up the economy, you try to take credit for getting back jobs that we lost, and then you have graphs that show the amazing amount, of, I mean, the manipulation of the statistics is disingenuous, to say the least. And the only people that would buy something like that are people that have such a, 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 a small knowledge of economics. Listen, there's a famous quote, economics is a mundane science, okay? It's, you're forgiven to not know much about it. But to have such a loud and vociferous opinion about something that you know nothing about is a crime. Yeah, okay? but, well, but let me, let me, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about inflation a little bit. Inflation was very high under uh, Joe Biden, and he got blamed for it, despite the fact that probably it wasn't his fault, and now it's much lower. You can't, in my view, say he's to blame for high inflation and no credit for lower inflation. High inflation. We don't have enough time to have that conversation, me and you, but I will admit, obviously, high inflation is not his fault when we spent trillions during COVID. That was the. Well, wait a minute. What about the United what, you, you spent trillions during COVID and you, you pumped trillions of dollars and drove up the national debt in terms in, in, with tax cuts that no one was asking for under Trump? Hold on. And then with that on the burner, which anybody that knows anything about economics knows this was the first recession in United States history that the American average American made money and saved money. There was more money in their accounts from not paying their bills and deferring everything. And so we knew what was sitting on the sideline. And then your proposal is to come in and spend three point five trillion dollars. The man. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. People in his party. Well, I, well, you say come in and spend three point five trillion dollars. We had an economy that was staggering. I mean, I, I was running a company at the time that 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 part of what that money went to do was to keep those people on the payroll. I thought that no, was no, no, I, no. I thought that was a that good was, use of money. Uh, a lot of that was already approved under Trump. That money was already there. Let's not let's not. So what? And it was, a lot of that money was spent. I'm not saying it was only under Biden. It was under Trump also. But unlike the tax cuts for billionaires, that went to working people. I, I didn't. I, I thought that actually helped us get our economy going again. Wait a second, because Manchin and Cinema and several Republicans agreed to a $1.5 trillion spending package, which is less than half of what Biden was proposing, because of all the pork that was in there for the Green New Deal, which was mm. going to go to infrastructure and R&D. Yeah, Anthony, you know that. I don't know. Will, well, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Well, let's look forward a little bit, Will, and I appreciate your calling and giving us so much of your time on this afternoon. Do you think having a 15% tariff on everything coming in from China will increase inflation or decrease it? Let me ask you this. Hold on. No, no, no. Will, 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 answer my question. The answer is it's going to increase it, and that's what Donald Trump wants to do. Do you think that that stopping people from coming in and working in agriculture uh, um, through legal immigration is going to make food prices go up or go down? Let me tell you why the Chinese question is loaded, okay? Because 
we already had tariffs in place on China, and the Chinese were dropping their prices in order to combat the tariffs. Every economist, Democrat economists especially, Reich-style economists, were saying how tariffs on China will uh, affect the American consumer. So, they were wrong. So, and so they were will. going to sign phase three. They were going to sign so phase will. three. So, Will, you're saying that what we should have and I and I appreciate it, Will. Excellent call by Will. Will says that he believes that we should have protectionist tariffs. I didn't know that was a conservative Republican position. I didn't know that driving up labor costs by by refusing to pass the legal immigration reform so we can have some farm workers to drive down farm prices. Look, here's the other problem with with Will's position. And I, it was a great call, and I appreciate him calling. The other problem with Will's position is it doesn't change the fact that we had about 15 or 20 percent increase in terms of inflation and 75 percent increase in in the profits being made by the big corporations, by the oil companies, by the Amazons, by by the by the biggest corporations in the world. There's some gouging going on and that led to inflation also. And we'll be right back on the other side. This is the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. bringing us back and we're talking a little about the economy i'll be here with you until four o'clock 800-848-WABC 800-848-9222 in other kind of predictable things that happen i see suzanne susan susan sarandon apologized for her remarks she got dropped by her her management it was another resolution in congress in support of israel this one just simply said a resolution affirming Israel's right to exist. And once again, nearly every member of Congress voted yes. The only one who did is a Republican named Thomas Massey from Kentucky's four. The Rashida Tlaib voted present. A few people missed the vote. You know, I am – here's my, my concern. We should not be trying to use these votes – to try to gain partisan advantage. We have bipartisanship on Israel. Let's try to hold it together as best we can. This is why when like Bibi Netanyahu came to Washington to excoriate Obama and it put Democrats in a difficult position, even if they didn't support the, the Iran sanctions, uh, the, the Iran, uh, nuclear deal, that kind of trying to, to divide up the bipartisan coalition on Israel is dangerous. And they keep holding these 
votes to try to embarrass, you know, Tlaib or try to embarrass this Republican Massey, Thomas Massey, who I don't know. He's from Kentucky. I don't know. I don't know why you'd vote against a resolution affirming Israel's right to exist. But anyway, I think we should recognize that Israel has enormous bipartisan support among all the people that count. Does that mean that there are not jerks in some of these rallies against that there are peace rallies that, that people don't seem to understand or people hold up anti-Semitic signs and whatever it is. Yes, that exists. But in terms of the decision makers, the people that are smart enough and we put in charge of things, they're getting it right. I would hope that the partisanship around Israel aid melts away. Same way with Ukraine. I mean, I think, you know, although the Republican Party has gone a little bit, you know, some of its members have gone a little weak in the knee and standing up to Putin. By the way, Putin this week, again, sent more weapons and arms to Iran to help Iran cause trouble in the Middle East. I mean, if you guys, if you're still in that camp that says we should not be helping our ally in Ukraine defeat Russia, you're, you're, I mean, I don't know what, what that's about in the Republican Party. I've been trying to find out. But there is broad bipartisan support for these, these big initiatives in, in, in Israel and Ukraine. We should go ahead and, and fund it. The other thing that was in that same bill is something I think we'd agree upon on, on, um, immigration. More immigration officers, more judges to get these asylum seekers processed. And, and if they're not eligible for asylum, turned out of the country faster. So we don't have to wait years. And the Republicans are refusing to even bring it up in the House under their new speaker. So I do think that there's there's some things that are predictable, and one of them is the support for Israel continues. So let's go to Neil in Brooklyn. Hey, Neil, thank you for calling. Thank you. Uh, when you were still a congressman, I would watch you on um, early morning, like an Irish show on TV. And uh, at the time, you were given very full-throated uh, explanations of Obamacare. And sometimes I felt you like flew off the handle. After you got in trouble, I thought wrongly, I think, because you still fly off the handle, <laughs> that you were trying to curry favor with the upper echelon of the Democrat Party. That being said, um, Dan Goldman seems to have a very high profile all of a sudden. Like it seems like he's always assigned to like be the eyes and ears of the, the liberal left or the Congress. And what's your take on that? Do you feel like he's like on a meteoric, meteoric rise or? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. First of all, about me a little bit. You know, the, the, who is the upper echelon of the Democratic Party? I was, I was a pain in the neck to Obama on Obamacare because I wanted a single payer system and I thought that he sold out to the big insurance companies too easily. So I was actually a, a, a being there by it. By the way, go back and check the tapes. I was among the first Democrat. The Republicans started calling it Obamacare very early on, and I was like, I was calling it Obamacare. I got a call from Patrick Gaspar as a political director at the White House. It says, why are you using this Republican language? I'm like, my dude, if if this works, you're going to want your name on it, and if it's a failure, it doesn't matter what kind of name they put on it. I mean, own it. And I, you know, and so I was I was far from a, a, a loved and revered at the upper echelons of the party. In fact, in the opening credits – the opening package that we have in this program, it's Joe Biden who was talking about how he doesn't like me. And I never got along with him either because I thought that anyway. So as far as Dan Goldman, look, here's the advantages Dan Goldman has. Dan Goldman is on the oversight committee. Usually that's not a particularly great committee, but that's where they're letting Comer, this guy Comer, 
do all of his stuff about Hunter Biden. I'm going to get into that in a minute. So there's a lot of cameras that are showing up there. Secondly, here's a little known fact. It's still true today. If you're a New York member of Congress and you are fairly articulate about stuff and willing to mix it up a little bit on TV, you're going to get called by the bookers because, one, a lot of the new the stations are in New York, et cetera. They get to see, you know, remember, people who are making the decisions who's going to come on the air, a lot of them are sitting at 30 Rock for MSNBC. They're sitting over on 6th Avenue for um, for Fox News. So Dan Goldman has had quite the rise. But the other thing that happened is he got his name out there as the person who was a lawyer on the impeachment committees. He was one, you know, not a, he wasn't a congressman at the time. And so he became well known to all the reporters there on Capitol Hill. And that gave him a little leg up. So, yeah, you're, you're not wrong, Neil. I think that Dan Goldman does have a high, a, a, a high profile. I think I live in a, I think I live right at the very edge of his district. I think so. I'm on the south side of 14th Street and I think that that's where the borderline is. Um, next, let's go to Adam and Mineola. Hey, Adam, welcome back. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks. Um, I wanted to say, that lady Pam Hempel, I got two things to say. Pam Hempel, a, a former Trump supporter that did 60 days in prison for her role in January 6th insurrection, she's suing Trump. Okay? And I just wanted to say that how does uh, Santos with 23 felonies get expelled from Congress and Donald Trump got 91 indictments and he's a Republican uh, nominee? Like, what's going on here? Well, I mean, the language should be the same, and I appreciate it, Adam. The language should be the same for Santos and Trump. They both have indictments, which is an accusation by the state based on information that they have. There's also this ethics report. But there hasn't been, a, you know, Donald Trump has not been found guilty of, well, he's found, he was found guilty in a civil case of rape, and he was found half guilty already of fraud in the the civil case here. So I shouldn't say he's, you know, he's been guilty of a couple of things. But the big stuff that he's been accused of, the criminal stuff, he has, it's just allegations. But I think the point that Adam's making is the one that I made earlier about Santos. If you want someone who's, if you think it's a, it should be a crime in politics to lie, well, Donald Trump does not have a great record on telling the truth. If it's a, if it's a, if you're going to throw someone out, for raising money for your campaign and spending it on yourself, well, that's what Donald Trump did. Donald Trump had this whole fund, stopped to steal, raised hundreds of – there was millions of dollars and spent it on himself to, to, to for, for his lawyers. And I don't think most people who gave him the money for that um, thought they were giving it to the Donald Trump Defense Fund. And let's remember something else about Donald Trump. Donald Trump, when he ran for office, said he wasn't going to take the money for anyone. He was going to be independent. I don't need anyone's money. And then, of course, that was a lie. He went out and raised money like everyone else did. Um, I mean, look, the thing about Santos, I, I get it. I mean, the, the, the Republicans in New York state know that they're going to get hammered for Santos. And so they wanted to get ahead of it. The Democrats are fine throwing out a Republican. They, you know, there's a relatively good chance that that seat will go Democrat now. So the Democrats have their political reason to do it. So it's politics. I would, you know, we threw out one person. When I was in Congress, a guy named Jim, James Trafficant, it was only after he had been convicted. He is James Trafficant was a, he was a Santos style. Wow. He was a wackadoo also. That guy. He's a, was, he would, his whole thing is he'd come down to the floor and said, beam me up when he was done talking. So, so there's that. Um, next let's go. Actually, let's just take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up and then we'll do the legal issues of the day. Biden, uh, Hunter Biden, Donald Trump. I'm Anthony Weiner. 
And we're so glad you're along. This is The Middle. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. That is Kiss. That's their ballad. It's actually one of their biggest hits. That's Peter Chris, the drummer. Uh, all right, that's enough Kiss for the day. Do we have any more? I'm sure there's some more Kiss back there, but I think we've, we've done enough. They have their final show. I have to do a little research. Maybe Christian can look it up. Well, well like, I think it's their final tour, their final show, their final time in New York. I don't know. Obviously, they're a New York-based band. Gene Simmons was from Queens. Um. And uh, I went in into Junior High School 51 on Fifth Avenue as a junior with my face. So, you know, Kiss would wear makeup. I, I went in dressed as Gene Simmons. So there you go. And I wore my hair long when I was in junior high school. That's why Morton Friend didn't take any pictures of me. Uh, and so that's that's Kiss bringing us back in. You know, we're talking a little bit about the predictable things that have been going on in the in the Israel war against Hamas. One of the things I saw this week that was kind of maddening, um, the worst president for Israel and the most pro-Palestinian president in our nation's history was Jimmy Carter. I mean, he had other things. I mean, I'm praying for his, for the memory of his wife, Rosalind and everything else. I get it, but he was terrible in Israel. As a matter of fact, he had a book, something called like preventing apartheid, the Palestinian story or something like that. So his wife, Jimmy Carter's wife has a memorial service. And protesting outside are these pro-Palestinian protesters yelling and screaming. I mean, let's just acknowledge something. They're idiots. Not all of them. Some of them are like, some of them just want peace. Some of them are just young kids who just don't know any better. I get it. I get it. But a lot of them are just idiots. Bomb threats to synagogues. You say it's not about anti-Semitism, and then there's like 20 bomb threats to synagogues over the weekend. People, you know... Throwing bricks through the windows of kosher delis. I mean, it w- on the other hand, you've got people like calling, you know, the protesters like these savage animals. And I heard Rita, the, this, the Rita Cosby, who, who's, who does that great show with John, you know, saying, who funds them? Who funds who? These are protests. People are allowed to protest. Thank God. Yeah, they're allowed to protest. They're allowed to, even they're allowed to 
sit in and whatever. We, it's America. We, we, we do protest. And here in the United, here in New York, protests are nothing. Our police officers, they're, you know, their restraint that they use, the tactics that they use. Sometimes they go too far. We paid a whole bunch of money after the 2000, what, what was it? The 2004 convention that was here, the Republicans. And we were just like rounding up people left and right, just dragging them off the street, even though they, and we had to pay a lot in people who sued and said, you can't do that. And they were right. But a Palestinian protesters outside Jimmy Carter's wife's memorial service. That just goes to show how ahistorical many of the supporters of the Palestinians are. They just have no idea. And sadly, the the temporary truce to exchange hostages is over. Israel has called back its negotiators. And now we're back to, you know, Israel doing what it what it needs to do. And I have conversations with people sometimes and they're like, you know, why do people say I'm not pro Hamas, I'm pro Palestinian. And then I said, so is Hamas evil? He says, yes, of course they're evil. They're terrible. I said, should we kill them? And he said, yes, you should kill them. I'm saying, all right, now how do you propose doing that then? <laughs> I mean, yes, it's, it's terrible that there's violence and that there's, and that there's collateral damage and that there's buildings getting blown up and children. It's terrible. No doubt about it. But common sense dictates that sometimes murderous, evil people are not just going to suddenly show up and say, okay, I'm done. Take me in. That the only way to stop them is you have to kill them. And the way that you kill them is these acts of war are just terrible. No doubt about it. And if some kid wants to protest on the street saying, make peace, not war, uh, yes, I agree. Let's try to do that every opportunity that we get. I mean, there, there is a, there, there is a tragic but very real fact here on the ground. And that is that the, the, the people that support the Palestinians don't have a good answer when it comes to how did they propose to vanquish Hamas from the midst of the people that they claim to want to, to protect. I mean, when Hamas, a Hamas leader was asked recently, all the money you spent building tunnels, how come you didn't build bomb shelters? And they said, it's not our job to protect the Palestinians. They didn't say the Palestinians. They said, it's not our job to protect the innocent. It's Israel's job. So when we come back, we're going to switch gears a little, do the legal news of the week. We're going to talk a little bit about Donald Trump had three rulings that came down as part of a long legal process. And Hunter Biden was invited to come testify before the United States House of Representatives, and quite surprisingly, and maybe somewhat disingenuously, he said, sure, I'll be there. What time? And then suddenly, my Republican friends in Congress got cold feet and said, I'm not sure this is such a great idea. We'll be back for hour number two of The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. So great to have you along. I'm so grateful that you're spending some of your afternoon with us here at WABC 77 Talk Radio. And we'll see you on the other side of the news break.
It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. That is not the Verve. That is Deco. Deco UK. I don't know. I've been listening to a little bit more EDM because that's what Curtis is into. That is a great version of that song. Obviously, the Verve made it famous. It's their song. They're just covered by it. So let's talk a little about some of the legal stuff that happened this week. 800-848-WBC, 800-848-9222. Um, first, let's start with Donald Trump. All kinds of legal things going on in his life, and he's filing all kinds of motions to not have to do certain things. Like he doesn't want to even stand trial in the in the January 6th case in Washington, D.C. He says that anything that he said or did, he gets immunity from prosecution because he's the president. A little bit of a stretch. But it's all about trying to make these motions, have them work their way all the way up to the Supreme Court. And either maybe someone in the Supreme Court decides to take the case, but one way or another, it delays the proceedings, the actual trial. So a decision, a decision was handed down by the, the judge in the case, Judge uh, uh, Chutkin. And she basically said, no, you've got to, you've got to stand, you know, like being, being a, a former president doesn't mean that you're immune. And to quote from her decision, whatever immunities a sitting president may enjoy, the United States only has one chief executive at a time, and that position does not confer a lifelong get-out-of-jail-free pass. So he has to stand trial. But again, this will now be appealed further, and it might delay that trial. In the New York State case where there was a gag order that was placed on him on what he could say about the judge and what can say about the judge's clerk and the witnesses and things like that. It's not uncommon for the judge, for a judge to say to the participants in a case, don't say anything that would prejudice the jury or intimidate a witness. The gag order was reinstated, but it was reinstated after he did this screed about the judge's clerk in the New York State case. So now there's a gag order back in place that he has to comply with and he can't talk about the 
clerk in the case. I don't know why he'd want to anyway. I mean, the guy's good grief, man. He was also, um, a court in Washington said that police officers who were harmed on January 6th, they may sue the president of the United States. I mean, anyone can. I mean, if you were harmed in some way by the riots, but particularly the, the, um, the people that were in this case were police officers. Let's not forget that it was a riot against law enforcement. You can't be pro-January 6th defendants and pro-law enforcement. you got to pick one in this case. And so the, the police officers who were riled up by that, who, who were in that crowd, who want to say that Donald Trump was partially responsible for that riot, those suits can go ahead. Now, they have to prove their, their case, and they have to call witnesses, and they have to convince a jury, and it's a civil matter, not a criminal matter, but now they'll be able to do it. Again, just like would be anyone else, just like if – I got in on the radio right now and I tried to incite a riot or I got a bullhorn and went outside and tried to incite a riot or whatever. If if a riot happened and someone wants to sue WABC or sue me, they can totally do it. The laws stand for everybody, presidents right down to serfs like me. Um, and in the New York State case about his uh, about his properties, the other thing is like, you know, again – uh, Cudlow had had a guy named Greg Jarrett on. I should have him on my show, maybe. You know, saying that you know it's okay to lie. You're allowed to lie. Oh, no one got hurt. The bank didn't get hurt, and whatever. No, you're not allowed to lie on documents. It's called fraud. You're not allowed to do it. I just keep your opinions. Well, everything worked out fine. That's not a defense. It's not a defense for me. It's not a defense for you. Don't say that. You can't lie on a bank application. And then say everything worked out fine. I paid you back. No, that's not the way fraud works. And to say that there were no victims, remember something. Banks don't have unlimited amounts of money to spend. They decide on an interest rate based on these things that you say on these applications. So it could be that someone else couldn't get a loan because they gave it at a certain rate to Donald Trump. I don't know. But that's not, that's already been ruled on in the court and it's already in the law that that's not a defense. Because then everyone just be lying and then saying, I had worked out fine. You didn't catch me. So what all of these judgments have one thing in common. They all say you're not above the law, Donald Trump. That's what that's what it that's what they all have in common. But you are Donald Trump equal to every other American in your right under the Sixth Amendment to a fair trial, to a public trial to be able to call witnesses, to have a, a, a right of of counsel, and that the prosecution, the state, has the highest burden of manageable that it's got to be beyond a reasonable doubt to prove your guilt. That's in the criminal cases. So the other legal news is in the case of one Hunter Biden and the never-ending efforts. I got to give this guy, Comer, credit, man. These guys don't give up. They keep coming and coming and coming. So this has been going on for a long time. And for those of you who are, are new to the program, I am a Hunter Biden a file. I like to know everything about this case. I follow it all very closely. I read Miranda Devine's book. I went through pouring over pages in the laptop. I even, I, I got Hunter Biden's book that came out during the campaign. I've read everything, you know, and my conclusions or the same as what a lot of Americans are, that this guy traded on his dad's name. He did influence. He, he made money because his name was Biden. He 
he probably alluded to the idea of how important he was to, to get on boards and things like that. But in terms of criminal activity, and certainly there's nothing that has yet touched Joe Biden. But in terms of criminal activity, I don't know. I mean, it looks like he did get a gun when he wasn't supposed to. He's, he was prepared to plead guilty that he didn't pay his taxes for a couple of years. They're still investing. They, they're not going to have a plea bargain, so there's going to be trials. We're going to get a chance to find out just the same way we for Donald Trump. But the Republicans in Congress keep saying, oh, we got it. We got it. We have some smoking gun. We got it this. We got it that in it. And as of now, they haven't produced all that much. They produce stuff that they keep saying, like back in, in May, they announced they had whistleblowers saying that the, that, that, um, that, uh, 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 were alleging that things were being done differently in this case. Like Steve Ducey on Fox, I played the tape once, you know, said, you don't have any facts and no evidence that Biden did anything. Um, that, you know, they, they, the latest thing is in October, oh my God, that Joe Biden got a check from his brother that was labeled on the check loan repayment. And they demanded documentation, and so two days later they got documentation that there was a loan that he gave to his brother. Just didn't charge any interest on it. it. Happens. And then to make it more funny, this guy Comer himself had some loans that had gone back and forth with his brother. Anyway, it's much ado about not very much. They haven't nothing is stuck to the president, but now they want to do a whole bunch of subpoenas of the president's family because they're starting to do an impeachment proceeding on the president based on all this and they keep saying things like the biden crime family like because they don't have anything on joe biden so so they've subpoenaed hunter biden they've subpoenaed let's see if i got the list right his the president's brother james they put a business associate called rob walker who shows up on the laptop a lot uh his uh, um hunter's hunter's wife melissa his aunt Sarah, I want to say, his sister-in-law, Haley, Haley's sister, a woman named Elizabeth Sagundi. They also want to talk to this guy, Tony Bobolinsky. Good luck with that. So far, the FBI, Fox News, everyone has thought this guy's not credible, but sure, bring him in. And they want to do these subpoenas. Now, the only problem with all of them, well, there's a bunch of problems, but one problem is that when the Democrats wanted to subpoena people as part of a of an inquiry into uh, Donald Trump, Bob Barr, the attorney general, wrote a new rule for the Justice Department, a legal memo, that says that the House of Representatives has to vote an impeachment investigation in order to use the subpoena process for this purpose. And the Republicans in the House have not done that yet because they don't think it can pass. So there's that problem. But then there's the other problem, is that, um, well, it sounds like Hunter Biden kind of called Comer's bluff. This is Comer, cut one. We have mountains of evidence, and now we're ready to bring them in. We're, we're in the downhill phase of this investigation now because we have so many documents, and, and we can bring these people in for depositions or committee hearings, whichever they choose. Yeah, well, they chose committee hearing. So, and, you know, and as soon as, he, like immediately, Hunter Biden's lawyer said, sure, I'll come in for a committee hearing, just like you said. And Jason Smith, the chair of the Ways and Means Committee, Republican, he tweeted out, I welcome Hunter Biden finally agreeing to testify. It's long overdue to come clean in front of the American people. And Miranda Devine at the New York Post tweets out, sunlight matters. And then something funny happened on the way to the forum. 
it seems that the Republicans kind of decided, wait a minute, this might not be a good idea to have him testifying in public because we've looked nothing but ridiculous up to now. Why do we want to risk having that happen again? So suddenly everyone slammed the brakes and said, no, 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 we changed our mind. We don't want him to be in public because we think it's better than it be behind closed doors. Okay. Listen to that again. They just they think it'd be better to be behind closed doors. What? You've been hawking this guy. You've been talking about him for ye- nonstop for months. DOJ has been investigating this in two administrations for years. You have finally have a chance to show the entire world this evil person that you've been talking about. He finally has a chance to speak up for himself and you say no. And none of that. The funny thing is now all these Republicans, Jason Smith has now deleted his post. Amanda, Amanda Devine has now reversed herself. And even Fox News is in the bag. I agree that I, I prefer hearings to be done behind closed doors because I think that they actually get mm-hmm. to the to the heart of the matter and they get some truth and they can ask questions without preening for the camera, without all the grandstanding. That is my preference. <laughs> without preening for the cameras. What have these hearings been all about? And now you finally, you've had hearing after hearing after hearing, and now you finally have a chance to have the guy, Hunter Biden. There isn't a single person in this audience who doesn't want to see that, if you care about this issue, a lot of people don't, but who doesn't want to, all right, let's see what he says for himself. He's getting accused of all of these things. You take his laptop, an, an, a, an addict with not in recovery, you take his laptop, you spill his laptop all over tabloids you release pictures of him you do everything possible to humiliate this guy you accuse him of all kinds of wrongdoing and he finally says yes i'll come in i'll answer your questions give me a chance put me yes put me in coach and they say no we actually want to do it behind closed doors so then we can go out of the hearing and say what you said what that's not that's not america that's not fair and then to, these guys cannot get out of their own way. You heard Comer say it. Come in for the hearing. Here, play the Comer cut one more time. We have mountains of evidence, and now we're ready to bring them in. We're, we're in the downhill phase of this investigation now because we have so many documents, and, and we can bring these people in for depositions or committee hearings, whichever they choose. Well, that's what he chose, and I don't blame him. But I should say this. Um, there's no way he's coming in. Right? <laughs> I mean, the guy, he is, he's facing criminal prosecution in Delaware and now probably in California, and he's going to answer questions. I mean, I give, I give the, I give Hunter Biden credit for playing chess way better than Comer and the Republicans have by saying yes, because he probably, now they've scared them into basically saying, no, we don't want you. But isn't the real answer? Hunter's lawyers are probably saying, you can't go testify in front of Congress. Anything you say there, they can prosecute you over. But it's a mess. Just let it go. Either let it go or let the guy come testify, clear his name. Or if you got the goods, ask him. If you think you got the goods, you're in the downhill part. I don't know what that even means. You're in the downhill part of this investigation. You invite the guy to come in to, to testify and to hear my Republican friends contorting themselves. Oh, yeah, what we meant is we don't want him to be 
out in public because, I don't know, the hearing will be out of control or we won't be able to control ourselves or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Gates are going to burst into flames or something like that. Just put yourself in Hunter's seat for a moment. He's been going through this public thing as public imagine. Can you imagine someone gets a hold of your laptop or your private diary or something like that when you've gone through you've I, they, they, from stuff on there from when you were in active addiction so bad that you you know you don't know what you were doing spilled it all over the place every accusation under the sun and then you finally have a chance to come in and clear your name and the accuser says nah. We'll interview you over here behind closed doors and we're really – no, you're going to accuse me in public? Let me defend myself in public. That's the Hunter Biden position. I played it – I mean – and the the reason why they have not voted yet for an impeachment inquiry is the Republicans know they don't have it. They don't have the goods. They don't have anything on Joe Biden yet. They have stuff that Hunter Biden looks bad for, no doubt about that. If you if that's your objective to make Hunter Biden look bad and to call in the president's brother, Hunter's wife, Hunter's aunt, Hunter's sister-in-law, Hunter's sister. If you think that's what the American people want, if you think when they get up in the morning and they're trying to figure out how do I pay my bills? Is it safe for my kid to go to this school? It's not as good as it used to be. Is the train going to be on time? Going to a job that maybe the the pay hasn't kept up with what it should have been. Health insurance has gotten more expensive, a little less so because of because of Joe Biden. If you think that American people are sitting up saying, I want to hear what Hunter Biden's sister-in-law Haley has to say at a hearing, I think you got another thing coming. I think Republicans are barking up the wrong tree. But there it is. That is the update on the latest in the Hunter Biden case, the latest in the Donald Trump cases. And we come back, we'll take your calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And then we'll take it all the way to 4 o'clock when Curtis Slewa will come in for left versus right. We're going to talk a little on the latest Eric Adams. Eric Adams is buying, it looks like a lot of people who are talking about running against Eric Adams, who I am going to be on with my co-host, someone who's been talking about, not just talking about, but actually ran against Eric Adams. So we're going to talk about the latest in that. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. So grateful you're along. We'll see you on the other side. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC.
Welcome back to Middle. A little something for everyone. A little bit of ska there. We've had some old-fashioned hairband music from the from Kiss. By the way, I was just kidding that the name of their the name of their tour was the end of the road tour, but it really is the end of the road tour, and this is the last date on the end of the road tour. So there you go. Uh, for Kiss. And uh, we heard Deco, a little EDM. So we're getting a little bit of everything in today. All right, so we're talking about the legal news, the Hunter Biden news, the Donald Trump news. There's someone up on the board a moment ago saying, I should not have said that Donald Trump was guilty of rape. Well, yeah, he was sued in a civil case by someone who accused him of rape, and he was found liable for it. I mean, they say, well, the word wasn't used. Well, the word actually, the judge, the judge, um, uh, 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 the the victim said that it was rape and Donald Trump's tried to sue her for libel and the judge in the case said no the, the the common name for what he was found guilty of is rape so there you go that's the answer even though the caller didn't get to it all right let's go to some calls let's go to Maria in New Jersey hey Maria thanks for calling hi Anthony I just wanted to say that the hearing will be in public it's the deposition that they want in private which is pretty routine. No, Hunter Biden, they are saying they want him behind closed doors. For the deposition, which is what they do all the time. The hearing will be in public. The deposition will be behind closed doors, as it is for everyone. No, they, 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 the said he is, they said he is not welcome to come in an open session. They said no to that. They said we'll only interview you behind closed doors. That's for the deposition. No, they said that he is not. The hearing he will is not be invited in to the FBI. Guys were here. The college professors were in public. All these other people, the the whistleblowers. But he is not. I'm going to say this again, Maria. He is not, according to Comer, invited to come for an open session. He is not. That's wrong. Don't you agree? No, I don't agree. I, I'm exact. I'll say it for the third or fourth time. The deposition is in private, as it is for everyone, which is what they are expecting of Hunter. And the hearing will be in public, so we will all see it. And you put a spin on oh everything my God. you say. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how uh, Maria. Oh, look, you got you. I you and I are going to have to agree to disagree. Except that you're wrong, John Comer. When Hunter Biden's people responded to John to Comer saying. Will you, they can come for a deposition. Actually, play it again for Maria. We have mountains of evidence, and now we're ready to bring them in. We're, we're in the downhill phase of this investigation now because we have so many documents, and, and we can bring these people in for depositions or committee hearings, whichever they choose. Deposition or committee hearings, whichever they choose or whichever they choose or is an alternative. It's an it's 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 a binary or Maria's just wrong. And I think she the reason she's taking that party line. Is because she knows it doesn't sound good to just to to, to say we, we want to interview him behind closed doors. We don't want to give him a chance to say say what he wants in public. And that's why Jason Smith, the chair of the Ways and Means Committee, when he heard that that um. Hunter had accepted, said, great. That's why Amanda Devine said, great. And then they all huddled together and started deleting their tweets. Let's go to Dom in Minnesota. Hey, Dom, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for taking our call, Anthony. I think I got to disagree with you a little bit and agree with the last caller. Uh, James Comer did say on TV that, well, he can later, you know, um, talk to people, you know, on, 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 on a public hearing, but first... 
everybody gets to uh, sit in on a deposition before they go public. That's what he said on TV. I heard that. And, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, if you and I were in the same spot as Hunter Ward, would we have the opportunity, the freedom to dictate our terms of our appearance in court? That's what I'm worried about. What, appear- appearance in court? You mean in, in, before a committee? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, I don't think we would be extended that courtesy if they're an ordinary person. It's there's no, there's no, but you don't, you don't, look, can I, t- look, the, a, a committee can go ahead and subpoena someone and someone can say, I contest this subpoena. I don't believe that it's in any, you, you know, if they called you, Dom, and said, we want to have you come and talk about what we found on your laptop because we found your laptop on the street. I mean, you would have to say, all right, what, what legitimate legislative purpose do you have? You can't just, this isn't the, this isn't the Soviet Union. You can't just say, I want to drag someone in front. And, 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 you know, and frankly, people come and testify before Congress. This whole idea, it's always a deposition first. Are you kidding? I participate in thousands of committee hearings. The numbers that we had depositions before, I can count on one hand. They don't want to have a deposition from him. They want to, they want to figure out some way to continue to smear him. And they know that they don't have the courage of their own case to have him come. But if you, Dom, if you, if they were to find your laptop on the street or it's some, some guy in a Minnesota, uh, 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 one, some guy, some blind guy in a Minnesota repair shop who takes it and then gives it to your, to your father's political opponents. And then they smear it all over every public place of pictures of you and pictures, you know, of you drunk and pictures of you on drugs and pictures of you with women, whatever it is. And then they say, oh, we want to have a a hearing. We want you to come in. We're going to subpoena you. Your lawyer and you would go into a court and said, what possible legislative purpose would you have to subpoena me? What possible cause? And that's why Bob Barr wrote that rule. Or Bob Barr got the got the White House counsel or the. Let me see if I have the exact. Let me get it exactly right. That's why Bob Barr in the Trump administration wrote a rule for the Justice Department that basically said he got the Office of Legal Counsel to say that unless the White House has, quote, expressly authorized the committee to conduct an impeachment investigation and to use the compulsory process in that investigation, that they would not comply with subpoenas. And you know who else didn't supply with, would comply with subpoenas? Jim Jordan didn't comply with the subpoena. You know who else didn't com- comply with subpoena? Kevin McCarthy didn't su- comply with a subpoena. But let's get back to the, the crux of this. You've accused this man of everything except hot, kidnapping the Lindbergh baby. All over the place. And now you say you want him to come in and answer questions before your committee. Fine. And you say, no, I don't mean before my committee. I mean the people that work for our committee, the lawyers who work for our committee, and we want them to be behind closed doors in the United States of America. And he says, I will come, just like you offered. I will come. You said, or I will come and appear. And then they say, oh, never mind. Delete tweet, delete tweet, delete tweet, undo everything that we said. That's just wrong. And by the way, think about what you want. If you care about this issue, the one thing you haven't seen or heard 
is is how does Hunter respond to this? It's been Anthony Weiner and no one else. How does Hunter respond to this? You think Hunter behind that microphone will look James Comer in the eye and says, James Comer, you've got some nerve. The things you said about me, the things you said about my family. We release Biden's deposition, Chris is saying. No, that's not the same. And let the man speak for himself. Let the man defend himself. It's a fundamental element of our country. Let the man defend himself. And if you can't handle that, then what are you doing? If you're afraid that he's going to turn to you, James Comer, and ask you about about the accusations that you beat up your girlfriend, James Comer, that might happen. If you think he's going to turn around and say, show me, you think that Hunter Biden might possibly say, you know, guys, show some shame here. I know you're out to get my dad, but I'm in front of you. Ask me anything. Why are you guys defending this? You would never in a billion years, if this shoe was on the other foot, that he was saying that James Comer said, I want you to be in public. And he's saying, no, I won't do it in public. I'll send you a letter sometime. You would never defend Hunter Biden in that situation. Never. Why do you just buy with the can't you know, people say I'm not the middle. What about you? Come on. How can you call up a radio station and say, yeah, I'm not really that interested in seeing him. Just I'll read the transcript. We're all interested in seeing him defend himself. It's his right. Let the man defend himself. Now, the unspoken thing here is if I can talk to you over here on microphone, too. He said, I don't think that they're going to let Hunter. I don't think his lawyers want him to. This is a case of bluff versus bluff. I think James Comer bluffed when he said, come and testify. And then Hunter Biden's people said, OK, we'll come. And now Hunter and now Comer saying, well, never mind. We'll put you behind closed doors. I think the whole thing might be kabuki theater. But as a as a host of an opinion show where people are yelling and screaming about Hunter Biden and now callers are calling and saying, that's OK. I don't really need to see him. I'm fine. I'm fine. Just reading the transcript. What? You don't want to hear what he has to say? You've called him everything under the sun, this guy. You get his laptop and you have naked pictures. Oh, it's disgusting. And then, and then, by the way, you get the lab. Now, let's not forget this part of the history. When Rudy Giuliani got the laptop, did he release the laptop? No, he did not. He gave it to the new, he gave parts of it to the New York Post who then didn't share it with anyone else. So no one could verify it was for real. And it was, oh, my God, you cover up, cover up, cover up. We, let's not forget how this all went down. And now the guy finally has a chance to stand up. But tell me you're not a little curious just to see this guy in, with a microphone in front of hundreds of cameras in front of every member of the oversight committee answer some of these questions. Of course you want to see that. Read it. That's not the same. And we'll see you on the other side. This is the middle. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner.
Welcome back to the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner with you till four o'clock. Curtis Lewa coming in at four. We're going to talk about the latest in New York politics. There is a line forming behind Eric Adams. The blood is apparently in the water. And uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. Kind of more names out there is good or bad for Curtis. You know, one argument would be that the names that are out there are Democrats and then there's Curtis. And, um, it's a nonpartisan special election. It would be pretty fast. Name ID, a big thing. Curtis Lee obviously has a lot of name ID. On the other hand, you know, Curtis Lee was for the longest time the kind of the sole loud opposition to Kurt, to to Adams. Now he's got a lot of company. So we'll see. Um, and that, by the way, was Heart by Rock Pile. That, that's Rockabilly. We had like six different genres in our songs today. I, 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 I would – Take credit for it, but it's Ava pressing the button. Let's go back to the calls. Chris, I called your name out because I saw you on the board, but what do you have to say about this Comer position with Hunter Biden? All right, Anthony. First of all, I, I like the fact that you're playing some Kiss today because I saw them in like 1977. In Me Jersey. too. Me too. Yeah. Uh, anyway, look, that lady was talking about, uh, you know, the, the uh, deposition. I'm going to read this to you. It says House Oversight Committee uh, James Comer said that he will release transcripts of Hunter Biden's deposition later this month, and he will schedule a public hearing after he testifies behind closed doors. Why? Excuse me? Why? Well, uh, uh, all I'm trying to say is that woman was correct. No, no, no. uh, the, 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 The question was not whether or not he, he could have a deposition. The court, whether or not, he was going to have a public hearing. Right now, what they've said is we'll have a deposition for you and you want to read it and then maybe have a hearing in the future. And I'm asking you, Chris, you're a smart guy. You follow these issues. Do you want to read a deposition or do you want to hear, see him answer questions? Well, I, if, I don't know. I, it's hard. To yes, say you because, do, Chris. Yes, you do. Come no, on. No, I'll tell you what, because I think he might put on a little show for. for yeah. Oh, and really? And Comer's not putting on a show? Comer's got evidence, man. He's got tons of it. Oh, does he now? 10,000 pages? What? Go ahead. Make the best case. <laughs> oh, please. He's got 10,000. He said it himself. He got 10,000 pages, pages and pages of every bank record under the sun. Thank you, Chris. Every bank record under the sun. He's got a book. He's got pictures. He's got everything else. He's got this guy. He's got this IRS agent. He's got that. He's got all this stuff that amounts to nothing. He's been lying about the Ukraine connection. Oh, by the way, I have a great question. I didn't think of this question. A reporter asked it of the new speaker. So the big influence peddling accusation made against Joe Biden was that because Hunter Biden was on the board of this company, Burisma, Hunter Bi- Joe Biden was trying to get rid of this prosecutor's trying to weed out corruption in Ukraine. When, in fact, witness after witness after witness said, no, it was the U.S. policy to get this guy out, this prosecutor, because he himself was corrupt. OK, there you go. So. Everyone is saying that, that no, Hunter Bi- Joe Biden was doing corrupt business. Well, in that case, all the other people that testified that this Ukrainian prosecutor, that this judge who were trying to get out, was was thrown out as part of U.S. policy, not because of Joe Biden. All those people committed perjury when they testified. How come they're not being prosecuted? If you believe that Joe Biden was the reason and he was doing it for money, 
than all these other people that have testified up to now that, no, that was the official government policy. Republicans and Democrats alike wanted to get rid of this guy, Shlokin. It's just complete phoniness. And then Chris, of all people, you know, he's a good listener to the show, a great caller. He says, oh, when I say, don't you want to see what Hunter Biden has to say? He says, oh, I don't know. The question isn't, is it possible that there'll be a deposition or is it possible that there'll be something in the future? Comer said in that invitation, you can come in for a deposition or you can appear in open. And he says, fine, I'll come in, appear in open. And what's the alternative? The alternative is like selective things get will have Goldman read some things. You'll have um, uh, uh, you'll have Comer read some things. This is the person you've been investigating all along. Let's hear from him. Let's go to Josh in Westchester. Hey, Josh. Tony Hot Dog. How are you, pal? First thing people have to realize before they go crazy with all these lawsuits and indict this guy and impeach this guy, the people you're talking about, remember, they are living big. They're living the high life. They really don't even work a day in their lives. Hunter's living at large. Trump is living large. Don't be feeling so bad for these people. I, I'm telling people, I don't go crazy. They are living the life. Yeah, but here's, here, but, but here's the one thing, Josh, and I'm going to let you finish your point. But here's the one thing about the Hunter thing that gets me a little bit. If any of us, and maybe this because I, I have struggled myself in the past and I still every day get up and I thank you for the next day. The way they have taken this guy – Hunter Biden, who has gone through some stuff, without a doubt, and taken his most private stuff. He, you know, yeah, you're the son of the president. All bets are off. I get it. But it's just a particular level of scumbaggery, I think, that has been thrown in his direction. And the guy finally says, I want to speak up for myself. And he's not even getting a chance to do that. We all have people in our lives, all of you who have gone through some really bad things, some desperate times. We all know someone. We all know someone who's wrestled with the with the demons. We all know people who have dealt with addiction. We all know them. And if you take any of them and say, I'm going to take pictures from their phone from these worst moments, and I'm going to try to make a national spectacle out of them, and then I'm not even going to let them answer for themselves, I think that's a low blow. But go ahead, Josh. Finish your point. Okay, uh, Anthony. You didn't mind me saying Tony Hawk, did you? Not at all. I've been right. called a lot worse, Josh. Yeah, but you got a good sense of humor, Anthony. But the thing is, you got to remember, first let me put a little joke in there. You notice last year when Herschel Walker was running for Senate, all the Republican ladies got divorced in, in Congress. But the thing is, with, with life and everything in life, you're going to have nasty people. You're going to have low-life people. You're going to have people. you got to have your antennas up, and you got to know what's around you inside this life because there are cynical people out there who are, are looking to do no good. We understand that. But the thing is, when they're running the country and their policies affecting us as individuals, Republican conservatives get nothing. If everything happened by coincidence, wouldn't certain things happen for us? It never does. This country is a left-wing country, and it is getting worse and worse. Josh, Josh, you, you, guys, you guys won the presidency in 2016 without even having a majority of the country vote for you. What, how can you possibly complain about the system? The single biggest media companies in the world, the Fox News and the ABC are conservative. You've got a whole, you've got an electoral college built into the Constitution to make sure the Republicans are, even though they don't represent a majority of the country, still wind up controlling the House and the Senate. 
Come on now. Don't, I'm gonna, don't, whoa, whoa, be Josh. Oh my God. You guys are really got it so bad. When there are the tax cuts for the millionaires and the billionaires, a lot of those guys are Republicans. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. You got Elon Musk. Come on. It's like a bad things happen to conservatives. Good things happen to liberals. Listen, here's the way to divide it up. And I appreciate your calling, Josh. I don't understand the Herschel Joker, the Herschel Walker joke, but nonetheless. Here's the way to divide it up. It's those of us in the middle class and struggling to make it into the middle class versus the people that want to get more and more and more and more. We're all in this together, Democrats and Republicans, the people within the sound of my voice. We should not be rallying to try to make sure that Elon Musk and, 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 and George Soros and Jeff Bezos and those guys getting Donald Trump's, they get more and more and more and we wind up scratching every single day for what we get. We're in this together. Democrats and Republicans don't realize it's not about party. It's about the working class and people struggling to make it into the working class versus everyone else. And we're doing worse off. Democrats and Republicans, we're both at the short end. All these callers who call in and say, I disagree, I disagree. One thing we should all be saying is we all agree that we're not getting enough of this. How about helping out the working guy every once in a while? And I say this to all of my listeners. If we can give a tax cut, a ta- uh, um, increase the taxes on billionaires only, not millionaires, billionaires only, and we take that money and we get distribute it to the people who make, who make less than a billion dollars, maybe, maybe make anywhere less than half a million or whatever it is. So we all get a little piece of the action. Or we, or we give everyone a subsidy to buy gas, whatever your policy is. But we basically start to do things again where it's the middle class and those struggling to make it that finally have their 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 piece of the action here. We have more in common than the than the powers that be want us to realize. They divide us up as conservatives and liberals and socialists and not to what if and fascists or whatever it is, because they know if we ever all got together and said, hey, you know what we all are? We're all people working to leave a better country for our kids. We're all working to take a, a country that we inherited, a neighborhood that we inherited, and leave a better one for our kids. With, with cleaner air and better schools and safer streets, that's what we want. We all agree on that stuff. They're trying to divide us. And all this stuff about let's get them to hate Hunter Biden, all right, hate him, I like him, I don't care. It's not about him. It should be about us. If you're in the middle class, if you're struggling, look, you know, look, I was the rarity in politics. My mom's a school teacher. My dad, of blessed memory, was a neighborhood lawyer who hung a shingle outside, literally had a little shingle hanging outside his house. This country was, this country has been so amazing. I mean, my parents bought a, a limestone duplex on a park block and park slope for 30 something thousand dollars in the 1960s. You think Jordan? Who's living very comfortably? Don't get me wrong. You think Jordan is going to be able to find that? The schools are not what they used to be. We're not as safe. It feels like we, we used to be. There's a lot of things that are better. Don't get me wrong. A lot of things are better. But they have us at each other's throats when really we have a lot in common. So if you call up and say that, you know, why are we pulling for Hunter Biden or Donald Trump or Soros or Bezos or whoever Osis or Musk or whatever it is. Hell, heck yeah, they get plenty. They're going to do fine. Maybe it's about time we start thinking about the rest of us.
I'm Anthony Weiner. We'll be right back. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Coming up soon at 4 o'clock, Left versus Right with Curtis Sliwa. Curtis and I will be catching up on all things Eric Adams. That was R.E.M. with Fall On Me. Next week, we're going to vote two hours. Is Fall On Me the best R.E.M. song? So get ready with your notes. Just kidding. We're not going to do that. All right. Let's go to Matt in Connecticut. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for holding on. Sure, Anthony. Hey, uh, Ace Fairley is alive and well, by the way. Uh, so uh, are you in support of the DOJ opening up an investigation on Air Lake? Uh, Hillary Clinton already was investigated by the Department of Justice. John Comey, James Comey, came out and said that there was uh, what she did was foolish and all this other stuff, an outrageous interference in the election. And then he interfered further by saying we've reopened it because of the Anthony Weiner laptop, although he knew there was something, nothing on it already. So I think the Hillary Clinton chapter has been closed for having an email on her computer. She was investigated for election interference in 2016 when she monitored the Trump campaign via tech expert. Mm, yeah, here's the, here's the problem with Matt. you got to catch up. That was investigated by the special prosecutor appointed by uh, Donald Trump who came back and, uh, and tried to prosecute that case, and a jury found that it was baloney and threw it out within hours. Look, here's the problem. I know everyone likes to do this whole, what about Hillary's emails? What about Hillary's this? What about there? There's, you know, no one's probably been investigating more than Hillary Clinton. And the difference between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton is that Donald Trump was indicted 91 times and faces several hundred years in, in prison, and Hillary Clinton uh, was not. Also, the other difference, Hillary Clinton got more votes than Donald Trump. A lot more. I think six million more votes. So there's that, too. Listen, great to have you along. Sorry to end on such a <laughs> such a fired up note. Look, I really do kind of believe that this is like I, I get like a version of this of a call or a comment in the email. You, know, you call yourself the middle. You're not really the middle, blah, blah, blah. You're actually a Democrat. Yes, of course, I'm a Democrat. But I also I call the show the middle because I believe there's an enormous swath of America that is at each other's throat. Uh, over issues and people that are somewhat extraneous for this for the purpose of kind of distracting us, driving us into our corners, because that be, makes life a lot easier for politicians in order to slice and dice the electorate and figure out how to win. 
We're a 45-45 country, 45 Democrat, 45 Republican, 10 somewhere in, in the middle that decide the presidential elections. But we are probably an 85-15 country if you ask the question, are you in the middle class or struggling to make it, or are you everyone else? And the middle class and those struggling to make it, those are the people who I think deserve more attention in all these debates. And so when, you know, when people call up and like, you know, and, and defend Exxon and defend Bezos and defend Musk and say, let's give tax cuts to billionaires. I've got plenty enough money. Let's give them to billionaires. I'm like, no, let's, you know, and investigations of Hunter Biden. Look, let the chips fall where they may. As I've said a a hundred times, the higher the monkey climbs, the more you can see his ass. People like me, I was prosecuted. I what I did was wrong. I accept full responsibility for it. There's no doubt I would not have been prosecuted if I was just if I wasn't a former politician. There's no doubt about it. And Hunter Biden is the brother of the president. There's no doubt about it. that's why so much attention is getting paid to him. But let's remember, let's kind of keep an eye on basic elements of this thing. And that is what happens or does not happen with Hunter Biden does not change our lives all that much. The president, president, nothing and none of this is about Joe Biden, it's about Hunter Biden. And, you know, look, if they connect it to Joe Biden, bring it on. But it's been years of investigation and nothing's done that yet. It's really great to have you along in the middle today. It was a, it was a good show, a lot of stuff to catch up on. Um, and urge you to, uh, if you missed any part of this, to download it as a podcast, subscribe, let your friends know about it. Um, we'll be back next week and also on Wednesday. The Middle Unplugged podcast will be, will be dropping. That's a special one we're going to be recording. So look forward to that one. And uh, stay tuned at 4 o'clock. Curtis Lee will be coming in for hour 109 of his service this week, and we're going to have a chance to catch up. I am so, so grateful that you have joined us. I want to thank Ava and Christian and Kevin, and we'll see you on the other side with Left versus Right.